You're listening to National Health Executive's Finger on the Pulse podcast with me, your host, Saskia Hicking, here to guide you beyond the headlines with news, views and insider truths from across the healthcare sector. Hello and welcome back to another episode of NHE's Finger on the Pulse podcast. Today we will be focusing on the integrated care system restructure as well as the future of mental health services in an ICS setting. I'm joined in that discussion by Alex Church who is currently based at Norfolk and Waveney Clinical Commissioning Group as a senior programme manager. He's also leading on the development of improving access to children and young people's mental health services. Thank you for joining me today Alex. Thank you. I'll start off by letting you introduce yourself. Just tell us a little bit about your background and and how you got to where you are now. Okay, thank you. So I started off as a consultant. Um, I was working across Bradford Clinical Commissioning Group and Bradford District Care Trust. So I was Digital Innovation Lead for the Care Trust and Children and Young People's uh, Transformation Lead for the Mental Health Services at the CCG. Prior to working with the NHS, uh, I've run a voluntary community sector organisation since 2010, so helping young people from disadvantaged communities get into employment and use creative kind of music and creative industries to help them with furthering their potential in life. And obviously we've discussed this, but you have an interest in the integrated care system and how mental health services will be affected within that when we do eventually get that change. I know it's been postponed uh, a little, but we we will get there eventually. Start off, how how do you think an ICS way of working will support in the transformation of of mental health services? Well, I think think it'll improve communication between health and social care, uh, first and foremost. I think it'll allow different different voices at the table so you know it'll improve the voluntary community sector voice around the table it'll it'll make sure that decisions are being made collaboratively um, with different stakeholders rather than kind of health developing you know a piece of transformation work children children and social care or you know adults social care are making a decision over there and it's not joined up and I think it'll help with commissioning as well you know, strategic commissioning boards and panels set up, enabling um, finance to be used better. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited by it. Obviously, it's emerging. There's there's a lot of different things to go through at the moment to, to understand it. I think it's, it's, it's a little bit misunderstood by a lot of people because it's just an, it's an emerging thing. It's a huge, huge different way of working. And I think when you've got different, you've got different age groups, so you've got people just coming in starting with the NHS and you know they might embrace it but you've got people who are ending their career as well you know with health and social care and and the impact it has on them. You've spoken about some of the benefits of going to an ICS system and what are some of the challenges that you think moving into an integrated care system may may have? Um, Well I feel that it's understanding what it actually means but you know how you've already got established pieces of work happening you know you've got long contracts happening among providers and you know suddenly you're asking people to change their governance structures you're asking people to start to think in different ways of work you're at instead of instead of thinking about place based as much you know we're, we're going into regional based which i think is it's really positive because w- one thing i found with the benefits of ics is that you know you may you may have a piece of work that's happening in another region and now it'll be you'll be able to understand that piece of work more because people will be talking to each other and going, oh, we've set that up over here. It'll avoid duplication of work and things like that. You know, commissioners will start to speak to each other more 
and start to say, actually, what you've done over there, that could work for our health population. Why don't we try that as well? And I think sharing best practice, better communication, I think it'll be really, really beneficial. Some of the challenges will be that a lot of the workforce are used to working in a certain way. A lot of commissioners are used to working in a certain way. There's there's a lot of fear among the workforce at the moment that what I've seen when you talk about ICS, are we going to lose our jobs? Is there going to be one commissioner for two or three different areas and we'll, we'll lose that place based? How, how will an ICS understand local need? Because local commissioners understand what's needed for their local health population. When you start to share that amongst different people, will, will the offer become diluted? How will we be able to, to make sure that place-based commissioning still happens but we also benefit from a wider understanding of what's happening across the ICS patch if you like. Yeah and obviously like you say there is the danger of that people feeling that they're a little less in control but I think the whole point of the ICS system is to hand control back and and put it in the hands and say if this is what your community needs then this is what we'll spend it on and then this is how we'll work and I think hopefully that that's the effect that it will have and you spoke a little bit there about not repeating other work that's already been done that could just be transferred over from trust to trust or, uh, or group to group what are some of the things that you're working on at the moment so one of the one of the main pieces of work is uh, an integrated front door into children young people's mental health services so norfolk and waveney have are currently responding to the needs of the health population. You know, they've, they've listened to children, young people, to professionals and parents who've over, overwhelmingly told them that accessing to children's services is, is difficult. If you talk about primary care, for example, primary care often say, you know, we don't understand what the offer is locally, so they will default into CAMS more often than not. And CAMS will look at the referral and say, sorry, that doesn't meet our threshold they'll then reject the referral and then it's the young people who suffer because they they desperately need that help and it's not available for them at the right place at the right time you know across Norfolk and Waveney we're looking at an integrated front door so one front door into services using digital technology using machine learning elements of artificial intelligence to help understand what referrals are coming in and make sure that the thresholds are met by offering whether it be counselling, early intervention, digital offer, specialist support if it's needed. But I think it's really important that when we're developing a piece of infrastructure like that, that we're looking at the referral pathways, ensure that our services are appropriately resourced and that's where you get your VCS. So I think this is a really good example of how an ICS can help because Suffolk, they want to develop something like this. Cambridge, Hertfordshire, lots of different areas are talking about doing this. So this is where an ICS way of working, you develop a piece of transformation, innovation, and then you talk to the other areas and say, look, we're doing this. Why don't you take from our learning? I think that's an example of how an ICS can work because you'll otherwise you'll have lots of different areas doing lots of different things. Yeah, and it's a lot of saving time. Time is precious, isn't it, at the moment? I mean, it always has been, but but now so more than ever, and I guess resources and, and, and staffing are, are stretched. And if in any way we can help that and, like you say, bring almost everything under one roof and have it collated in one place, then that has to be a benefit to us all, really. Well, yeah, and I think, I think you know, there's an NHS ambition that in 10 years' time there'll be more digital-first offers. And I think if you take digital transformation, for example, there is a mixed feeling about digital transformation among clinicians and, you know, the impact of is it safe, is it secure, how can we use it? I think an ICS can help us digitally mature our workforce. You know, from my perspective, 
digital doesn't work without an appropriately trained workforce there to work alongside it. Digital is not there to replace any workforce as such. It's there to enhance the workforce, to help the workforce become an intelligent health system. And I think this is where ICS is. They can really, really work on lots of digital innovations in the area and send it out and, and help areas to educate themselves utilising digital. I think I think that's really an important point to make. Yeah, and I think it's a really interesting point that you made there about having the staff on board. And by the time this podcast goes out, we've got a really interesting piece about Medway Trust introducing their EPR system and, and how they trained the staff on that. The staff were really involved. There was nurses who had been trained within the system and were out on the wards helping them use it in every day. Yeah. And I think that, like you say, is so important that everybody's on board. I think digital is, is here to stay, um, but it's just about making sure that that the products used are safe they're ethical you know they meet the clinical guidelines and that there's a language between the developers and the clinicians that they understand you you mentioned EPRs for the voluntary community sector this is a huge issue because voluntary community sector organizations that are commissioned flow to their MHSDS systems and we, we forget sometimes that voluntary community sectors are very very small they don't have a large infrastructure, they don't have an IT team, they don't have data analysts on board. How can we, utilising an ICA, help share knowledge around EPRs, around interoperability between digital platforms and things like that? And I know obviously we haven't made that transition fully to an ICS yet. Do you think it's been difficult during the pandemic or do you think do you think people have taken it in the stride? But personally, I, I obviously I can't speak on behalf of everybody in the NHS, but, but one thing that the pandemic has helped us to do is work differently is to adopt different ways of working, change some of the rules, lighten some of the rules sometimes, you know, especially in terms of remote working, working online, offering clinical support online and things like that. Obviously, we, we always work safely and ethically, but I think trying to bring in an ICS in and amongst this, I'd say is, I'm, I'm torn between saying I think it's a really good idea because I think people have been ready for change. People are embracing change at a very quick rate. So why not bring this in at the right time? Now, obviously, I'm speaking on behalf of me being in a commissioning team here, not in a clinical role. I have to spare some thought for colleagues who have been absolutely flat out on the front line doing clinical work all the way through the pandemic. And then if I was to ask them or if they were to hear me say this, they might have a different story about how they feel about turning to an ICS and what that means for them on the ground. There's different departments in the NHS and some of them, I would imagine, would welcome the ICS and say that the pandemic's helped. There's other areas that say actually we're flat out here trying to deal with the pandemic. Don't throw this confusion into us now. Definitely and obviously your your feelings towards an ICS way of working will be very different like you say to, to the team on the front line and, and like you say perhaps that three months as a delay almost is because of that and it is taken into account the pandemic. Yeah. Last thing you want to throw at them is a, is a whole new way of working with, with, with digital innovation mixed into there and, and especially like you say if they're not used to a digital way of working then that's a whole new kettle of fish to undertake really isn't it? Yeah and, and I think you know my my role is, is very transformational so I have to try and set groups up, set meetings up in and amongst clinical activity so you know I'm the one in the room going let's change this let's let's try this let's let's try a different way of doing this and you know that can be met with yes that's brilliant let's try that or some people say oh let's just calm down here a little bit you're dealing with different levels of personalities and different experiences in the room you know I I'm personally excited about 
an ICS way of working. I think it's taken me a long time to, to really understand what it'll mean, but I can see in my work, especially around transformation, that an ICS will will unlock lots of potential. And you spoke a little bit about saying it took you a while to even understand what it means. There are a lot of confusion between you know terminology to do with ICSs and, and ICPs. And how have you gone about kind of busting the jargon within that? And how do you think other people, especially I guess people on the front line, how would you put it across to them? The way I the way I kind of break it down in my own head and and try to explain it is that the ICS is is the coming together of of the region or the different areas whereas the ICP is your local place-based group and that feeds into the ICS some people will turn around and say well there isn't going to be much change the the ICPs become the new CCGs there's more of a an emphasis on working together and I think that is the key for me that that we avoid these silo working practices and an ICS will help us to communicate with each other more and not see complete system rather than independent pathways and everybody has an equal voice in it and this kind of toing and froing between health and social care and your VCS is shouting at the bottom going please listen to us we're here as well these ICPs will create an opportunity for all the voices hopefully to be heard and then these ICPs can then feed in to your ICSs. I think from a senior level, from a very senior level, some positions will go into one ICS. So there may be one commissioner who feeds into the ICPs, but each area still has to have its own place-based strategy because otherwise it, it wouldn't work very well. And as well, you said about different services and it's almost like the ICS structure is almost bridging this gap between the different services between us and, and like you say, connecting the voices and letting everyone be heard. But what do you think statutory and non-statutory services, do, do you think they could form better relationships through this? I think I think NHSE, speaking on speaking from you know documents that NHSE are releasing that areas are being asked to improve relationships with non-statutory services but I think many areas are demonstrating that there is an excellent excellent relationship between statutory services and the voluntary community sector. Bradford is a, a shining example of that. I think Leeds are doing really really well with that and an Norfolk. so I think it's not it's not new that statutory and non-statutory need to work better together but it's just the statutory services that have got huge infrastructure and they've got different teams that they can attend all these meetings they can be there and sometimes voluntary community sector needs to think really hard about can we release a member of staff to go to that meeting although because we can't afford it we're, we're on a shoestring budget here i think there will be voluntary community sector forums there already is vcs assemblies in each area just improving improving the governance that's that's a key thing i think in a lot of areas sometimes the governance needs to be strengthened and obviously we spoke about getting everybody involved in this and, and you need the backing to make, to make this successful and to make it run as smooth as possible when we do fully transition is there anything that you'd say in terms of getting everybody on board and, and kind of promoting that it is a positive change and, and it will work for the for the better of, of, of health service as a whole i think the best way to to demonstrate that is is for areas obviously areas are transitioning from their old governance structures into the new that's what's causing the confusion and i think demonstrating to people from a local perspective how will this improve my work how will this improve my job how will this improve my prospects at work and how will it improve 
the the impact that we make on our health population you know that's ultimately why we do this work you know is it is is this going to be a positive or a negative for for our clients and our patients and and the people we want to serve because that's ultimately why people choose to work in the NHS or more often than not they choose to work in the NHS because they want to make a difference to people's lives so how can we how can we show that an ICS is going to improve the the difference that our that our kind of clinical pathways make to people's lives i think i think that's a if if we can show that and if we can you know get that governance right at an ICP you know level and and an ICS level then we're on to good things and i think language as well abbreviations what do they mean you know people releasing a directory might help because people make their own assumptions about what things mean i might have made my own assumptions about what things mean in this meeting based on my own subjective thoughts if i read a document and it tells me about the ics and the icp i'll i'll form my own opinion of what i think that means and then the next person will form their own opinion and then all of a sudden you've got different people thinking different things about what things mean and I think you know being very very clear from the top down on on how this how this will work I think another thing I've seen is that there has been a fear I've mentioned this earlier about about people losing their jobs within this and you know some areas have guaranteed the workforce some areas have said there'll be changes some people are going to be redeployed so so there there's there's a sense of anxiety among among some of the workforce around all this and what it means for them. Some people are quite happy in their job and they're quite structured in their job and some people are quite resistant to change and those people I would imagine would find moving to an ICS quite an anxious situation. You know, other people love change, other people embrace change, you know, and, and so you have to think about, there's different people who who treat this, this whole transition very, very differently. But ultimately, like you say, the NHS has been the way that it has been for, for, for decades now. And I guess any sort of change to the, to the structure and such a, a large change like this is, is bound to, you know, potentially ruffle a few feathers in some places with people. And, and if it's not clear, then that's when anxiety is caused. But ultimately, we need to look at this as a, as a positive change. And, and it's for the greater good of consultants, clinicians, uh, nursing staff, HCAs, everyone, but, but also patient care as well. Yeah, I think, I think ultimately there are people who will be pro-ICS and people who will be still trying to make their minds up. And I think we need to help we need to help them understand what it's going to look like. But when we're in an ever-changing environment, and it's you know you, the, the 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 structures do change slightly, and the messaging changes slightly as well sometimes around what what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, you know, delays and things like that. So that does increase the slight tension among people. I'm conscious that we we've gone on for a while now. We might lose our uh, listeners' attention here. But is there anything else that you wanted to add? in terms of the work you're doing or, or anything that you wanted to voice and, and share with people or anywhere that they can find any resources or contact you. I'd just like to say if anyone if anyone wants to talk to me about their their thoughts on the ICS or anything like that or you know I'm happy to share learning about any of the work we're doing across Norfolk, any of the work I've done elsewhere because to me, you know, working together, building relationships, we're all one 
NHS, you know, we, which we don't break down into areas. We do break down into areas, but I don't see that. I, I just like to, to help people if my ideas can help, you know, reach young people, reach adults onto the ground. That That's ultimately why I do this work. And if anyone's heard anything here that they want to know more about or whatever, please get in touch. Thanks for listening to this episode of NHE's Finger on the Pulse podcast. Join the conversation on social media or get in touch through the link on our website to stay up to date with all the latest news and episodes. Make sure to subscribe and drop us a rating on whatever streaming platform you are using. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.